This is the EWN Podcast Network. Are you ready to live your life by your rules? Need some inspiration? Welcome to First Class Life, Redefining Success, the podcast that brings you interviews with people who have had their life path challenged and have redefined what success and a first-class life really means to them with tales of roads taken, detours explored, turning points, and transformation. Here is your host, First Class Life mentor, Kate Fessler. Welcome to First Class Life, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Linda Fostek, the founder and CEO of The Crisis Planner. Linda is an international speaker, author, and consultant on a mission to empower others to get off the worry-go-round and become their own master of disaster. Linda knows firsthand how preparation and planning allows companies and individuals to navigate through and thrive when blindsided by life. As the crisis planner, Linda brings her expertise, creative solutions, kind heart, and compassion together, guiding others through planning for the inevitable life and business challenges. Inspired by her late father, Norbert Osiki, Linda carries on his legacy through her books, And Now What? Shift Happens, Password Passport, and her latest project, The Crisis Planner Home System. The Crisis Planner is the first and only comprehensive personal and natural disaster planning resource that is focused on serving a broad spectrum of planning needs. What makes the Crisis Planner unique is that they are not limited to a single professional designation, such as legal, insurance, or financial planning. They look at the entire planning picture and identify the missing pieces in your plan that can result in significant consequences. In 2017, over 7 million people were evacuated from their homes due to hurricanes, floods, or fires. In addition, over 43 million were caregivers for a loved one. The one thing that every one of these people had in common was the need for a plan to address the the three key needs that show up in every disaster situation. The three needs everyone has when facing a personal or natural disaster include facilitating quicker recovery, avoiding inevitable family conflicts, and controlling the chaos. The Crisis Planner promises peace of mind when a total protection plan is created for the family. They promise to take the overwhelm out of planning and make it simple and easy to complete using their comprehensive planning tools, resources, and support systems. Welcome, Linda. Well, thank you. So wonderful to be here today, Kate. I am uh, just delighted to be part of your show. Before we get to the crisis planner, let's talk about you. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I was always going to be a music teacher, believe it or not. I was a piano major, even my first year in college, I was a piano major at the Crane School of Music. And after um, a year of that, they were kind of destroying my love for music, and I wasn't going to let them take that away from me. So I changed majors and ended up doing liberal arts, and um, the rest is history, I guess, because here I am. Oh, well, what type of music did you play, or do you play? I'm sure you still do. Uh, well, everything, classical, folk, you know, I, I played the violin, the piano, and the guitar, so... That's a wide variety of things. Wow, like a one-woman band. <laughs> so when did you start to think about crisis? Was there an event in your own life that led you down the path to wanting to help others be prepared? Well, you know, it, it's really interesting. I was invited to speak um, two weeks ago 
at a Girl Scout troop that was consisted of uh, juniors in high school. And it brought me back to my own high school days where I was also a Girl Scout all the way through high school. And I was very involved in at the council level with um, hosting international scouts and also, um, you know, the leadership of the council and whatnot. And so, of course, Girl Scouts, their motto was be prepared. So mm. I, part of that was part of my, I guess, in my DNA was to be prepared because I got that from my dad. It was always the engineer and everything was, you know, very planned and organized. Every vacation was like an expedition, you know. So uh, I planning and organizing and, and, and having everything in order to anticipate what could go wrong before it does has been something that I've been doing my whole life, actually. Um, even when I lived overseas in Kwajalein in the Marshall Islands, uh, the job I had there was to work on the, what they called trouble desk, which mm -hmm. was the, and I received all the phone calls from a community of 3,000 with anything that needed to be repaired, replaced, fixed, anything they needed. So it was, um, quite exciting when we had a typhoon and the highest elevation of the island was six feet out of the water and we had 15 foot waves breaking on the shoreline. Oh so, my goodness. Uh, so I guess I've always been a crisis planner in my own way. Yeah. So is, so what were you doing in Kwajalein? Well, actually my first husband worked for an, uh, for MIT Lincoln laboratory as an, on an experimental laser radar and they shipped it out there and uh, they would shoot missiles from Vandenberg in California into the Kwajalein Lagoon and they would track them. And I was his plus one at the time. And uh, it was a community of 3000 Americans on a 1.2 square mile island, so. Hmm. I knew someone once who went there uh, because the construction jobs were really, um, lots of construction available. I, that was a long time ago. It might have been mm -hmm. after this this uh, storm you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we we had some adventures, um, you know. But it it's all part of my life experience that made me who I am today. So, how did you get the idea for the crisis planner? Well, you know, actually, this as 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 you said in my bio, it was inspired by my my dad. And when he was 70, he saw a lot of his friends losing a spouse. And he saw the chaos that they were thrown into. The husband had never run the washing machine. The wife had never written a check. And my father was an engineer, and he was always very solution-oriented. So for him, he looked at it, and he said, okay, well, the problem is nobody knows what to do. And so he wrote a book called The ABCs of Home Operations, and it literally, I mean, he came to my house and he said, what's that? Oh, an espresso, espresso machine? How does that work? Uh, what's that? How does that work? And he wrote down all the instructions for everything. And of course, now my dog's going to start barking, which is really cute. Oh, that's um, okay. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so he wrote down the instructions for everything. And he created this planning system. And he had a few things. He had some circuit breaker tags and, you know, water and gas shutoff tags and, you know, was in a binder that you kind of put everything together. But it was written like an engineer. It looked like something an engineer put together. And he had no idea what to do with it. So it literally sat on a shelf for 23 years. Now, he passed away at 90. 
And a year later, I was at an event with Kevin Harrington, who was one of the original sharks on Shark Tank. And somebody asked Kevin how he chose from the 50,000 products he gets presented every year, the 25 to 30, he actually puts his brand name on as seen on TV. And uh, he, it was such a simple answer. He said, if he saw something that filled a need, he felt compelled to bring it to the market. Mm. And I think moment everybody in the room saw a light bulb go on over my head as I thought of my father's project and I said now is the time to make this to, to bring this into the 21st century and and really do something with it and I've been running with it for the last four and a half years so very exciting <laughs> yeah so that um that sounds like something that a lot of people really could could benefit from because uh, of course especially of your father's generation. I mean, we've all seen that exact scenario, right? The husband doesn't know how to do any of the housework and the wife doesn't know how to do any of the financial planning or even write a check or pay the bills and doesn't even know how much money they have or where the bank accounts are. Um, And so there are, there are kind of a lot of, um, there's been a lot of attention on that, the, the financial piece of it, right? A lot of, uh, financial right. planners will will focus on well how everyone needs to know all about the finances, but with the crisis planner, you focus on many different things. So you have um, legal and financial as well as insurance. Uh, tell me about that. So do you have a group of experts that you work with that that focus on all those types of things, or or how does it all fit together? Okay, well, what I am is configuration control for planning. And if you look at the definition of configuration control, it literally means I make sure that all the pieces fit together and that there are no missing pieces. Um, My father worked in configuration control for Grumman for many years. And when they were assembling the LEM, he was responsible for the configuration control to make sure that no parts were missing and that every piece fit together. So that I do that for crisis planning. So I have all these resources that I've tapped into that I can contact and that I can refer people to that do all the actual pieces that they need, the legal planning, the insurance. And, and with insurance, you've got like four or five different people that you have to consult with because you've got people that do your health insurance, your homeowners and your, you know, your, um, your liability insurance, your life insurance, your long-term care insurance, you know, all the different, your business insurance. So you may have three or four or five different insurance representatives that you're dealing with. And each one isn't talking to the other one, which is really the other issue. Um, You know, you have, all the banking things that have to be accomplished. And I think some, you know, if you talk to any banker, they'll tell you that every single week they have somebody sitting in their office in tears because they need the money in their mom's account to bury her. And because mom didn't have them as a signatory on the account, they can't access the funds. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's really, and the banks have, they can't do anything to help you. So it's about having, and understanding all those things. I, I think one of the things that I, I did a talk the other day, and it was a group of um, people that were mostly, they had kids that were college age and older. And one of the things I, I mentioned was that, you know, if you don't have a power of attorney, 
and your health care proxy and your living will for children over 18 that are not married, if they should have an accident, end up in the hospital and are, are able to make, unable to make medical decisions, you as a parent have no legal rights to make those decisions for them without those documents. And literally everybody in the audience was, oh my God, my kid's in college, or this one's going to Australia next month on, uh, you know, to study, and oh, I have to get these things in order. And you don't think about, about it until you're in crisis. And I think that is the saddest thing because once you're in the crisis, you have fewer options available to you and you tend to make bad decisions. So the whole concept of the crisis planner is to prepare ahead so that you literally don't have to make those decisions when, when things are going badly because that only makes the crisis worse when you're, you're faced with you know, decisions that you really don't want to even think about. So it's so much better to think about it when you don't have to think about it. You make rational choices and decisions that will make it so much easier later. Hmm. Or even give yourself the ability to make the decisions. Like you said, I'm sure a lot of people think of wills and powers and all of that as for older people or people who have children or, you know, leaving things to other people. But you're right. Once you're 18, your parents really don't have any say. Um, and that can be a really tricky situation if there does, uh, if something does happen. And, you know, I mean, kids go off to college, they have accidents, there's, there's you know, drug overdoses, there's a number of things that can happen, they be, can become ill, to the point where they are not able to make their own decisions. You know, they could be in a, in a coma or some state of, of unconsciousness that, you know, someone has to step in. And as a parent, if you have no legal right to do that, it's got to be a horrifying thing. Oh, yeah. For a parent. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's, you know, so I mean, and what I initially, yes, you said it applies a lot to our parents' generation because, but who are the people that are taking care of that generation? Mm. It's the boomer women that are taking care of their parents, and they are the ones that are so keenly aware of the fact that they need to know this stuff. So, it, it typically, my target is the boomer women because they, they recognize the importance of having the plans and knowing what's going on and, and, and things like that. So having those conversations, they can then have those conversations with their parents. And I try to make it easy for them to have that kind of a conversation because parents don't want to talk about those things. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Uh, nobody wants to talk about those things. But as you correctly point out, now's the time to do it before it becomes uh, a, a crisis, as you say. Mm -hmm. So in the intro, I mentioned hurricanes, floods, fires, which we've experienced a lot of recently. Those are big crises involving lots of people. But as we've just been talking about, there's also the personal crises, the family crises, the things that happen in your, in your life that involve maybe just you and a couple of other people, not a big, you know, happening in, on the planet. Um, you also work with businesses. So what's, yeah. so this must also involve sort of like su succession planning and, you know, who's going to take charge if, you know, like we have with the government, like the vice president takes over if the president's not available, like that sort of thing. Um, how is business planning for crises different than personal planning for crises? Well, you know, if you think about the real 
growth in business has been in entrepreneurship and, and people starting their own businesses. That has been a, a huge growth area in, in this country the last few years. And in fact, most, many of those businesses, a majority of them are being started by women. And, you know, when you think about it, when things are not going well at home, when there's a crisis at home and you have your own business, what suffers? Usually the business, mm -hmm. because you're going to take care of the things that need to be taken care of home, at home. So your, your personal planning has a direct impact on your business's ability to weather a crisis. And when, when your business and your personal is now affected, that affects your entire family. So what you have to kind of think about is if you've taken care of all your planning for your, your personal stuff, then you have to look at your business. If you are a solopreneur, your business is totally dependent on you. What can you put in place so that your business can continue even if you're not there? If you are an entrepreneur with several employees, Frequently, those employees have big responsibilities with your, with, within your business, and they may have, you know, they may have knowledge that nobody else in the company has, and what happens if something happens to them? So encouraging your employees to also have personal planning under control, having some sort of key personnel backup so that you're cross-training people that, you know, I mean, I can, a perfect example was my husband worked for a company that made, um, that did chemical analysis using optics, that the optics were ground very specifically and it would, depending on how the light went through it and through the chemical, they, they knew what, whatever it was that they were measuring. It was pretty high-end stuff. Well, the woman that made, that ground the optics was, there was only one person that ground the optics and she was 85 years old. She'd been with the company 45 years. And, you know, the chances of her having a health event or something it, were becoming more and more possible. Mm -hmm. And the company finally realized that their entire business was reliant on this one woman who was 85 years old, her ability to see, to grind the optics and her ability to do that. And they finally brought somebody in to train with her that could take over. And she did pass away at the age of 87. So they didn't leave themselves a big Not a moment too soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but their whole business, which employed some 60 people, was dependent on that one person. Wow. That, you know, and that's what happens to some companies. They don't realize that they're putting themselves in a vulnerable state. The other thing that companies do is they have a single source for a key element of their, of their product. And you always have to have multiple sources. They should be in different locations in the country so that should there be a natural disaster that affects one area, you have an alternative you know, source for that material. So you always have to think about contingencies. I mean, here in the Northeast, we have, you know, snowstorms, which can impact people's ability to get to work. So there you have to kind of look at what's my strategy to work remotely? Can my team work remotely? 
and still continue our business if we can't get to work. You know, so it's thinking about all the what ifs that could interrupt your business and, and making sure that you have things in place so that not only are, is your income protected, but anybody who's dependent on your business, their income is protected as well. And you see it all too often, you know, you have like the local dry cleaner and, you know, they have a heart attack and die and then the business shuts down and everybody who was employed there is no longer, no longer has employment. So, you know, it's all about thinking about the what ifs and putting plans in place because the spouse isn't always the one that wants to take over the business or is able to take over the business. Right. I don't see my husband taking over my business. (laughs) No, no. Well, you know, interestingly about redundancies, I used to, I worked for Amazon back in the day when we were all in one building. It was a very small company then. And uh, we had an earthquake here and we all had to evacuate the building. um, And we all met in the park and, um, you know, they had their servers in different places in different parts of the country. Back then we were only in the U.S. um, And, uh, Jeff said to everyone, well, the good news is the website didn't go down. (laughs) And I think, you know, for a business, that is the good news, right? It's like, okay, our building is crumbling around us, but the business is still running. Yeah. Yeah. It's having it and and it's being resilient Mm -hmm. and recognizing if if you have a local business and your community is affected by a, a major disaster, it's going to affect your business. So, you know, that's why the internet is such an amazing thing because it really, excuse me, allows you to expand beyond your local geography. Mm-hmm. That you're totally dependent on your local geography for your business. If you have an internet-based business, you know, your local geography can certainly be a big part of your business but if you have other opportunities and if you've thought of other ways of, of bringing business in you can continue your business while you while your community recovers and typically after a major natural disaster i mean it's certainly on the west coast i i thought for sure they were you know you were burning the west coast down this last summer it was awful um the um you know, or, you know, in areas in the Southeast where we had the hurricanes and, you know, where we've had all this horrible weather this winter up in the Northeast. Um, those kind of things, when you have, like, even here where we had Superstorm Sandy on Long Island, um, now Long Island is a middle class, you know, area. I still have friends that have had no heat in their house and it's six years since Sandy. Really? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yes. Um, there were there were other contributing issues, but you know the house was flooded, and um, the way the insurance companies worked is they would pay for one heating system, and if you were going for New York Rising, which was lifting your house up, you had to wait till the house was lifted to put your heating system in. The state vetted all the contractors to raise the houses and paid the contractors directly to raise the houses. And in this particular case, a contractor walked off with the money for 300 different families. And their houses aren't raised. They don't have any money to raise them. They don't have any money to put heat in them. It's awful. 
Oh my goodness, you would think that the state would be sort of on the hook for that since they did the vetting. But they paid the checks and as far as they're concerned, they're done. So it's, it's wow. been a challenge. I, I mean, I have a friend, her, her electric bills in the winter have been $2,000 a month for heat. So how do you plan for a crisis like that to make sure that um, that you don't that you have heat pretty soon after, not six years later, still wondering when it's going to happen? Well, and that's something that I think as a um, for natural disasters, I think what happens is people just say, "Well, it is what it is," and it's amazing the amount of patience people have. I mean, actually, in my friend's case, she's. She's in, just inherited a house that is not in the flood zone that didn't that has heat. So they're in the process of renovating that so they can move there. And then I think they're just walking away from the other one because, you know, why pay a mortgage on something that you can't live in? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whew. So, so tell I me, mean, tell me about your books. Um, they have some very interesting titles. And now what? I like that one. Uh, Shit happens. That's a good one. Password passport seems somewhat self-explanatory. And then uh, the crisis planner home system. Well, the Anawad book is, is the first one that I wrote. And it's a little planner that helps you. And it's actually quite perfect for like my parents' generation because they're not going to go through a lot of the stuff in the house yet, but they need to organize their information. So it, it organizes all their information very simple to fill out little forms in the book. Um, and it's all your insurance policies, your investment portfolio contacts. Uh, it also has a place to put your um, expenses, your monthly expenses and income. So if one spouse passes away, you'll know whether you'll be able to stay in the house based on what's coming in. Um, it's got all your pre-planning for your funeral arrangements and making your arrangements for you know, any disabled family members. And your pets, because so many people forget about making arrangements for pets and they end up being abandoned and they don't know what happened because nobody wants them. So mm -hmm. that's kind of sad. And then it has a whole list of the documents that you need to put together in what I call an ICE file, which is in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. And um, then the next section of it, so that's before. And then when somebody passes away, you need to know what to do in the order to do it and what not to do. And then it also talks a little bit about the healing. So, and now what is a little book that is a life planner uh, from before to upon to after. And probably the thing that I am most proud of is the, the last page of the book, which basically says life will be different after a loss. That is for sure. But be assured your life is not over. Who you are is not defined by whose child you were or who you were married to. You have special, unique gifts to discover and share with the world. So when you ask yourself, and now what? You might just be surprised at the answer. So I, you know, even though it's kind of a death planner, it kind of ends on a very positive note. The, the Shit Happens book is really just a, a, a reference book. And it takes you through all the different types of, of disasters. Um, from all the natural disasters to different personal disasters. It talks about how to talk to your parents about planning, um, and it gives some checklists and things. And I chose the title because I needed to shock people into planning. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I said, okay, it, it's a little shocking. And then I made it kind of look like the dummies books, but reversed. Because <laughs> they're reference books. So I wanted the, that color that was familiar. Yeah. The title that you haven't heard from them, have you? <laughs> no. Well, because it's opposite. Theirs is black on top. <laughs> okay. Much different. <laughs> it is different. Well, you know, they didn't, they didn't patent the color. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, of course, the password book is how many passwords do we have that we don't even know we have? Oh, my And goodness. how many are on auto pay that we don't know? And that kind of came out of my own need because I had all the sticky notes around my computer. And I mean, every time I was looking for a password, I was either creating a new password or I, I was, it was awful. And it also came from one of, uh, I had a client that was 35 whose wife passed away very unexpectedly. And she handled all the finances. So where my parents' generation, maybe the men handled the finances, younger generation, a lot of times the women are handling the fine. Well, she did everything online. Mm -hmm. Got all the bills online. She paid everything online. He didn't even have the password to the computer. He didn't know what bank they used and had no idea what bills needed to be paid. Wow. And it was a real nightmare for him. It made his loss even more traumatic than it was. And uh, I ended up having to get a computer person to assist him to get into the computer and, and reconstruct everything because he, he didn't know what to do. Um, so the password passport actually organizes all your passport, the passwords alphabetically. It allows you to change the password up to nine times without moving it in the book. So because some Sometimes we change passwords because we have to. Some companies, I know, Infusionsoft makes me change my password every three months. So, yeah. um, so those three are standalones. And then I have the whole crisis planner home system, which is a five-volume system of books. And then that also comes with a bunch of really cool things for the house. Oh. These things. What is, what is in that for the benefit of people who are listening and not watching? Yes. Well, uh, what comes in that is your labels for all your circuit breakers, uh, gas and water shutoff tags so that you know how to turn the gas and the water off in your house. Um, it comes with a password passport. It comes with a uh, computer webcam cover. I said if uh, Zuckerberg has a piece of masking tape over his webcam, there must be a good reason for it. So this is a little <laughs> webcam cover that opens and closes. Um, it comes with water leak detectors. Um, one of the biggest hazards in, in any home is, is water leaks, and that can cause a lot of damage. Well, these little detectors will detect as, as little as one sixteenth of an inch of water and sound off a 95 decibel alarm that you can't miss. Wow. wow. So you put put one under your boiler, one under your hot water heater, one under your washing machine. And, and the one that got me was the AC drip pan in my attic. I had a waterfall in a closet because the, the drain got clogged. So, uh -oh. so it comes with those. It comes with an escape hammer for your car that you can cut the seatbelt and break the window. It comes with an emergency flashlight, a set of key tags so that you can have a set of keys. I had a situation with a gentleman who only went in and out of his house with his garage door opener. He was not married. He had no children. 
and he one day he had a heart attack. EMS came in, took him out, closed the door. House was locked. He dies at the hospital. Nobody has a key to the house. Nobody can get in the house because <laughs> the key was in the car, which was locked in the garage. Wow. <laughs> so uh, key tags are important. And it comes with also an eight gig flash drive that you can put all your um, pictures of all your possessions on uh, to document what you have. And there's also a little six inch ruler. And people say, why did you send me, give me a ruler with this? And I'm like, because when you take a picture of something inside the house, you need to have perspective. And if you put a ruler in the picture and that's six inches, then you know, oh, six inches. Oh, so that's a, eight-foot couch, not a six-foot couch. Oh, that's the big Hummel, not the little Hummel. Oh. You know, so you, it will help you with the value of things. So, and then that all comes in a watertight box or a fire and watertight safe, um, depending on, you know, obviously on the West Coast, you may want the fires, pr- fireproof safe, yeah. as opposed to the East Coast where flooding is our issue. So waterproof is more, watertight is more important for us. Mm. So the first book is just your home operations manual. This is what my, basically, I rewrote what my father had written because it needed to be updated. Um, and then the next book is what you actually have in the home. So it's, um, it's a walk around. So you walk around each room, you look at it, how many outlets, does the light switch work the overhead or does it work the, the plug that I just put the TV in? Um, what's the condition? What are the walls made out of? What's the floor made out of? Um, how many windows? What are the windows made? How are they? And you go through each part of the house and you kind of get an idea of exactly what you own. Most new home buyers have no clue what they just bought. Mm-hmm. And, and then you walk around on the outside. Okay, the deck it needs to be painted. Oh, I see some rod over here. This needs to be. So it can help you figure out what and plan ahead for what needs to be replaced, repaired, or thrown out. Mm. You know, you kind of get a really good understanding of everything you own. Then the third book is all about your home improvements. You need to keep a record of any home improvements you make when you sell a house for the IRS because your tax liability for the appreciation of the house is based on how much you put into it. So if you keep track of what you've done as you, as you update kitchens and bathrooms and put new roofs on and new driveways and you add all that up, well, maybe you only, you bought a house for 500,000, you just sold it for a million too, but you put another 300,000 into it or 400,000 into it over the period of time that you've lived there. So Mm -hmm. it actually reduces your tax liability. The other thing is your home inventory is in this book. So it's by room, everything that you have. Then the the fourth book is really the eight steps of planning. So that takes you through your legal, your insurance, your financial, tax planning, banking, your personal protection, funeral planning, and then your disaster kit. So it's all that. And then the final book is your ice book. So you're in case of emergency, all the contacts and all, all that stuff. So, you know, your medical records, all those things are in these books. So it's, it's a, it's a comprehensive system that can be a little bit overwhelming to some people, but if you just start with one and work your way through it little by little, you will ultimately have the complete plan in place for your personal, for your home. So that's yeah. the home system. 
Well, that does sound very comprehensive for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 not as complicated as it seems, you know, especially, you know, I've had a lot of people buy them for their kids who are just buying homes for the first time, the millennials. And when the millennials look at this, they're like, oh, my God, I need this so badly because they have no idea what they just did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the happiest day of their life and the scariest day of their life all at the same time when they buy the house. Yeah, um, because typically they're not used to um, they don't know what to do. You know, um, they haven't seen people working around the house. They don't know what needs to be done. You know, when you turn the sprinklers off, why why you have to blow the lines out for the sprinklers, especially if you live in a colder climate. You know, and what these books do is it tells you what you can do yourself when to call in the professional help, how to minimize the impact of an event. Um, I just had a, a toilet that was running, and I just did a little video on replacing the flapper in the bottom of the toilet. It took me five minutes. It cost me $8. If I called the plumber, it would have been $100. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least. <laughs> you know, so, so it's those little things that, you know, and it, it's really true. Also empowering women to... Mm-hmm be able to take care of things, to be the, the queen of their castle, you know, because so many of us own our own homes. I mean, I'm a widow. I have to take care of this stuff myself. I don't have anybody to do it for me. Right. And, and if I was paying a professional to do this, all the little things, I, I wouldn't be able to stay in my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, we're at the point in the program where I have to ask you, what is one book or resource besides your own that changed your life that you would recommend to people? If I had to pick one, it really is a little book called The One Philosophy by Nancy Matthews. Now, I don't know if that was the one I gave you, but that's the one I'm thinking of right now because that's coming to me. And The One Philosophy is about treating everybody that you meet the way you would want to be treated. It's about seeing everybody as a human being, um, whether it be the cashier behind the register or the CEO that you need to talk to or the homeless person on the street. All they want to do is be seen. And, you know, I see so many people today, they go through the checkout lines with their faces buried in their, their cell phones and the person that is checking them out is invisible to them. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how you can impact a life by just simply acknowledging that somebody's there and saying, hi, thank you. Mm-hmm. Have a nice day. You've got a beautiful smile. Um, you don't know how you can cha- change somebody's life when you share something like that. Yeah. And to me, that book is a book that everybody should read. It's a tiny little book with a huge message that, is very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, no, that's a brilliant message. And it's a little sad that a book had to be written to tell people that because, you know, we probably all should live by that philosophy, but I'm glad that someone did that. So Linda, how do you personally define success? In other words, what does your authentic first-class life look like? Well, my authentic first-class life is one that I have 
I have certainly enough money to be comfortable, but to have an abundance of money that I can do the positive things that I want to do in the world, to change lives, to, to help people be their best. I mean, for me, success is when I, when I see somebody discover just how special they are um, you know, I'm in very involved with Women's Prosperity Network as a chapter leader, and probably my greatest joy is when I see one of my members take something that they've learned at one of our meetings or one of our workshops, and that it opens their eyes to opportunities and to see themselves in a different, in a very positive way, and watch them grow and blossom and 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 just come out of their chrysalis and, and spread those wings for the first time and have the confidence in themselves. Because I truly believe that every single person has a special gift that the world needs to hear and see. And to me, the ultimate success that for me is to, to be a facilitator of that and others. Mm, I truly believe that too. If people want to learn more about you and the crisis planner, how can they do that? Well, they can reach me at thecrisisplanner.com. That's my website. Or Linda Fostek, that's F-O-S-T-E-K, at thecrisisplanner.com. And I'd, be, I'd love to communicate with anybody that is interested in learning more about the Crisis Planner. What's next for Linda Fostek? What's next for Linda Fostek? I'll... Um, Actually, I'm really in the middle of my launch of the home system, and really what's next for me is, is um, doing the more speaking events in different parts of the country. I'll be in Dallas in March. I'm going back out to California in um, April. Um, so just really getting my message out there, and my real vision is to get my 32-foot motorhome have it wrapped with a get off the worry go round tour and do a speaking tour around the country to get the message of how just how important being prepared is to to having that worry free life and to really embrace all the wonderful things that are, are waiting for each and every one of us. Brilliant. I love the idea of the motorhome tour. You should talk to uh, Carol about that. She's doing one, too, for her book. Um, so, Linda Fostek, The Crisis Planner, thanks so much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. First Class Life, Redefining Success with your host, Kate Fessler. We'll be right back. Back to the show. First Class Life, Redefining Success with your host, Kate Fessler. Linda raises some really good points about being prepared for whatever comes our way. And she talked about some things I hadn't thought about and haven't even heard anyone really talk about, like being able to make decisions for your adult unmarried children if needed. I know I am not nearly as organized as even one of the books in that home planning kit. I asked her afterwards how much they are, and the first one, the waterproof case, is only $197, and the waterproof safe is $297. That seems super reasonable for getting your life so organized and being really prepared for whatever might come your way. 
I also love how she came to her business, realizing she had something valuable in what her father had created and building upon that. Not to mention looking at her life experience in a new way and realizing she had a lot of the tools to be uniquely qualified to do what she's doing. And the title of configuration control, well, I may just use that in the future. This week, I'll leave you with a quote from Dr. Phil. Yes, Dr. Phil. The person with the plan most often carries the day. I hope you'll join me next week for another inspiring episode. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of First Class Life, Redefining Success with Kate Fessler. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit FirstClassLifeSolutions.com, on Twitter at Kate Fessler, and on Facebook at First Class Life Solutions. We'll catch you next time. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com.